0: Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to this November, early November edition of the South Dakota Game Fishing Park Podcast and Blast. Uh, it is November and man, we've had good weather and uh, this is the time of year where if you want to be outside with a fishing rod or a bow or a gun or a shotgun or probably even some ice fishing rods uh, right around the corner, this is it for us uh, outdoor lovers. And uh, it's it's the best time of year. We've had uh, weather that's been holding off and, been really good and uh looks like there's some maybe some weather coming in that's going to push some ducks and geese down from the great white north and probably get some deer moving too so we're going to talk uh ducks and waterfowl with rocco morano our web-footed senior waterfowl biologist and then we're going to talk to steve griffin out in rapid city about oh about some deer black hills deer EHD, CWD, and uh, all things with antlers. So stay tuned. Got a good show for you. It's
1: a remand with me and bad about my boss. Take a break from what today is no total loss. And
0: welcome 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 to this latest edition of the south dakota podcast and blast presented by game fishing parks on this rainy monday uh, i'm your host chris hall and i am with duck guru uh gfp senior waterfowl biologist rocco morano rocco how are we doing today man doing great
2: thanks for having me chris
0: awesome say the reason i had john is twofold obviously you know um november a lot of people start thinking deer and and pheasant season is full swing and and but for for guys like you and me, who maybe have uh, webbing between their toes, um, duck hunting is is still on the first and foremost on the mind, especially since we don't have any early freeze up in that northeast. Um, let's talk. Let's talk duck hunting, Rocco. I know before before we started, you said you'd been out eight nine times, and it's been really good. Talk about that a little bit in your area, and you're in Brookings, of course.
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm in Brookings, kind of hunt that the central part of East East River um, or eastern third of the state. Uh, and yeah, so in this part of the world, up on the Prairie Coteau, um duck hunting's been excellent. And it's honestly been better than it has been in a number of years because the water is lower uh and points further west are dry, which is kind of funneling the birds up the up the eastern third of the state uh where the more permanent water is. And for, for probably the last three or four years, many of the semi-permanent wetlands that are traditionally hunted have just flat out been too deep to hunt. They've been back flooded. Um, over your waders past the cattails and, and, uh, now they're down, uh, several feet, uh, which you may have to deal with a little bit of mud flat, but is way better than not being able to access the water at all. And, and also the, those wetlands are also way more attractive to ducks when they're shallower because they have a lot more aquatic vegetation growth and things like that. So, um, been a, been a really good uh, early migration so far in the eastern third of the state.
0: You know, it, it's funny, I've been in Pier 25 years and I've always gone by like the migration in Central South Dakota is when the, when the geese start showing up in Pier and, you know, the first 10 years, it was probably uh, Halloween, you know, the town would be full of geese and and now it's been pushing back later and later and and I have seen, you know, a few flocks sitting out on Capitol Lake and, and talking to a few people and oh, of course you hear the sandhill cranes going through and, and some of the cacklers going through, the white fronts going through and And seeing a few geese and stuff what are you seeing for for a push from those northern birds and what are you hearing from your counterparts you know north dakota and even canada minnesota yeah
2: so right now at least at least in the area that i frequent and i I do get migration reports from across the state from from staff that i try to compile into into a duck report every week um we're kind of on right at the the middle to, to end of the kind of the calendar duck migration is the way I describe it. So the birds that are kind of bound by, um, you know, they just, if it's that time of year, they're migrating. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of the gadwall, shovelers, wigeon, green-winged teal, um, even pintail can kind of behave that way in a lot of in a lot of cases. And I'm seeing lots of widgeon and gadwall and pintail and green wings. Um, those are the predominant species I've been seeing. Um, also, diver migration is picking up. So the, on the larger bodies of water. I'm seeing decent numbers of scop, uh, redheads, some canvasbacks, a lot of bufflehead. So that's kind of kind of that time of year. A lot of white fronts, like you said. I think we're probably getting on the tail end of the white front migration, um, but, but I've heard reports of, of of quite a few folks harvesting white fronts uh, in South Dakota this year. They, they're probably not staging as well as some years because they kind of key on, on sheet water, especially in the James River Valley uh, right. and that area is pretty darn dry. There's some areas, uh, maybe up in Spink County, where they've received some some heavy rains that you maybe see some staging white fronts. But they're they're kind of a fickle bird. They uh, a lot of times they just kind of blow over the state with the sandhill cranes. But uh, I've I've harvested one white front this year duck hunting and I uh, saw a number of them. So um, as far as geese, a lot of Canada geese. I, I'm seeing Canada goose numbers beginning to really build in the eastern part of the state. They're starting to stage on larger bodies of water, um, kind of getting into that more predictable field feeding framework off the lakes. Uh, Starting to see some small flocks of of light geese, snow snow geese and Ross's geese. Um, I haven't seen any big numbers yet, uh, but but I'm starting to see also starting to see some reports of guys shooting a few snow geese in the state. So we're we're right on the kind of the edge of the big migration, which if you've seen the 10 day forecast, we have a big system coming at the end of the week. Potentially winds up to fifty miles an hour from the northwest, so you're you're going to be seeing and a and a drop of uh, you know we're going to be seeing highs in the in the thirties, so you're going to see a big movement in the next ten days.
0: Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't really paid attention to that because I'm actually in the office working this week, so uh, the the weather the weather hasn't uh, I haven't really paid too much attention to it. But what are you hearing, North Dakota? Um, you know, I would guess that they're start they'll see it right ahead of us
2: are they they seeing the same thing are they seeing any mallards starting to stage up up there or you know i haven't talked with anybody directly in north dakota but but my guess is i mean i'm seeing decent pockets of mallards i have been seeing good pockets of mallards really for the last month um and while we did have you know we had decent local production in south dakota we had some good pockets where we had some water um uh north dakota had probably worse production than we did Um from what i understand in their in their uh banding catch they had a very high age ratio with adults or a very low age ratio for hatcher birds i guess the best way to put it where we had more of a normal age ratio with our mallards um you know maybe 80 percent hatcher birds um well so a lot of those birds could be some um, you know some local birds but i think we're we're starting to see some some kind of waves of of mallards coming down now you're you're going to see a big push again um after veterans day and the next few days after veterans day is going to be a big big push of greenheads i'm guessing good cool well let's
0: talk about the three duck uh option yeah. last time last time i had you on, you know we talked about our, our our new option that nebraska and i have and you had a lot to do with it um nebraska and us um with that three duck limit and you know it doesn't matter species or 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 sex it just you get to shoot three ducks um interesting story I had a guy it was a Friday there wasn't many other people around in the office and and uh one of our front front ladies came back and said can you talk to some there's a guy here who wants to talk about that three duck thing and he seems kind of angry so I went okay so I went and I talked to him and we, we sat down and and it is interesting as me as a communicator and you as a biologist, we approach this a little bit differently. And, you know, we put out as much stuff as we can. And this guy is a diehard diver duck hunter. I mean, diehard. That's all he wants to hunt. He and I, when we started talking, started comparing notes, uh, I've hunted a lot of the same country for a lot of years. And I know he's hunted a lot of the same country. My dad hunted, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. A- and there was still a little bit of confusion there. And and once I talked him through he goes, yeah, he goes, I signed up for it so I could shoot those three birds. And he goes, I know I'm not your target audience, but I came in here angry because a lot of it was he didn't want to share those exact places where he was hunting in the journal or the diary. And and once I talked him through that and I said, I know you're keeping these journals anyway, because most heard old duck hunters like you do anyway, I don't, we don't need to know the exact spots or, or anything, you know, and, and once I got him kind of through that, he was, uh. He was nothing but uh, complimentary for not only him, but, you know, he started talking about once we got through this stuff about the future of duck hunters and the future of, of diver duck hunters and the future of ducks. And, And he was like, man, you know, this is so out of the box, you know, and he goes 20 years ago, uh, you know, you guys would have probably got hung at the, you know, hung out in front of the Capitol building. And I said, well, 20 years ago, we had 50,000 duck hunters. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but talk about how that's going and, and any of the feedback you're getting, and and maybe even, you know, if you got some license numbers or anything like that.
2: Yeah. So a- as the last I checked, we had just over 700, I think it was 733 um, right. folks that had had signed up for the three bird option. Uh, I, personally, I'm very happy with that. I think that that is roughly 5%. Um, of the total migratory bird certificates that we've had this year. Uh, I've, I've had communications with folks all over the board. I've had um, folks calling me to, to personally thank me for the option because they, they've never duck hunted and they're being, you know, they, they're trying it for the first time. I've had folks uh, call me to, to talk about that they're using it with their kids and as a kind of a learning tool, which is certainly what I did this year with my daughter. Yep. Um, and and I I've even had uh, folks from out of state that I honestly didn't I didn't expect very many non-residents to choose it, but I've had a fair number. And it's been a lot of folks that are coming out here to to pheasant hunt, and they, they maybe picked up a three a three day license and just want to try duck hunting, and they they're just excited to be able to come out and and try it without having to worry about it, which is really honestly the point. And um, I, again, I've been I've been very happy. I've had very few um negative interactions about it uh actually i had one uh a gentleman sounded like a very similar conversation that you had um called me uh, he was diehard uh diver hunter and just was worried about um location you know giving away his spots and yep. and and i said hey just send the diary and just don't even mark down the county and so we <laughs> right you know that that's just kind of cursory data that, that's the main thing is if you want to send your wings in the is the wings you know right um and uh after that you know he it was he was pretty pretty complimentary to the program but um but yeah i i it's it's been really fun and interesting to to uh you know administer this this fall where we have wings rolling in we're going to be um going starting to go, go through those wings this winter and then compare those directly with the parts collection um that the fish and wildlife service does for south dakota and and learn something about what folks are shooting that are choosing this option um yeah, it's been, it's been great so far.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, when we started this and, and we had a lot of meetings, you know, we were thinking 500 to 800 would be, yep. you know, a good, a good benchmark. And, and, you know, it's for, for me, just on my end, that means, okay, we kind of got, got that info out there and, and yep you know going through what we did with the deer draw and some of those other things it sometimes it takes two years for people to get really dialed in on what you can and can't do and and i think you know at, for me 700 when you said 700 i was like oh man that's a success and and we build off that by talking to some of the folks who had that three duck limit and 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 talking about their experiences and sharing some of that personal stuff and that seems to connect with folks, you know, on another level. And and hopefully we just build off of that and, and uh, we go upward uh, and onward.
2: Yeah, m- my guess is it's going to, it's going to build, an, you know, moving forward. And um, what I really, what I really hope happens is that it, it uses a tool for mentoring folks. And I right. think we are getting that. And we're going to tease a lot of that information out with some subsequent survey work that we're tr- that we're going to start doing this winter with that, you know, we're going to survey folks that did this um and even we'll survey folks that didn't and we'll ask them if they took somebody out that did <laughs> right so right. uh yeah so we're gonna we're gonna try to get some of that information out cool well i think that's
0: all i got unless i missed something dude um you know I, i'm glad i caught you now because if this weather's coming in i know i'm not going to be able to catch you for the next <laughs> at the end of the week if we got this big weather push you better be out sitting in your waders freezing your fingers off so
2: yeah I'd, I'd certainly encourage folks to start scouting uh Later this week, if you're planning on on uh, trying to get out during the, you know, the big what folks call the grand passage, we may see that in the next ten days. Um, it just depends on if we warm up again or or if things if things lock up in a hurry. It's it's hard to tell. Right. Uh, it looks, I, I looking at the snowfall potential. It looks like eastern North Dakota may get um, significant snowfall in the next ten days. So and as as well southern Saskatchewan. Um, so just. Be tuned to the weather, and and if you plan on get out, getting out duck or goose hunting, um, I would keep your eye on the weather and and, and your favorite spots, and and because uh, they're coming.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, man, and uh, say hi to your family, and and keep that keep that daughter of yours. out duck hunting. I haven't got mine out uh, this this fall because every time we've tried to go out, um, I make some calls, and and people are saying, no, there is not many ducks around, and and the place where we shot ducks last year, there's guys walking pheasants for it this year, so. Kind of a bummer, but uh, um, we'll keep trying, man. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Take care. It's
1: another long day. The
2: All right,
0: we're back uh, on this rainy Monday. I am with, uh, the South Dakota Game Fishing Parts, maybe deer guru, big game guru for sure, Steve Griffin. Steve, thanks for being here today.
1: No problem. How are you doing today, Chris?
0: Good. I'm good. I'm glad I'm not out hunting in this weather. I, I'm just not as mad as the, at these critters as I used to be. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, any day in the field hunting is better day in the, than in the office.
0: That's that's true. That's true. But uh, as I said, Steve Griffin is our uh, senior uh, big game biologist for Western South Dakota. Is that your title, Griff? Uh,
1: Just not senior, uh, except for age, but uh, (laughs) just just wildlife biologist.
0: Um, Griff and I have got to do some cool things. He gets to do lots of cool things, but I have spent some time climbing around trying to keep up with him because I think you're part mountain goat. But uh, I got to watch some cool critters and bring cool critters back. But today we're going to talk about deer, specifically West River and Black Hills deer. Griff, we're uh, in the middle of the Black Hills deer season, uh, started on the 1st. What, um, what were you seeing for deer populations and, and herd health and stuff before the season, going into the season?
1: So as a lot of folks are probably aware, we did, we did reduce um, the tags available to hunters. Uh, in the central part of the hills. Uh, that's especially for doe doe hunters uh, because our population was decreasing a little bit. Um, so that's the best way, obviously, to raise more animals is, is to not harvest the does. So we did reduce that um, and so. You know, based on the and I believe we actually reduced the number of uh, antlered tags that we had also. So that's in a response to a lower lower population in the Black Hills. Um, Hunters in the Black Hills should expect a a fairly good season. Obviously, uh, actually this morning we had a little bit of snow on the ground up in the Black Hills, so that'll help hunters a lot um, getting out there. Uh, The rut in the Black Hills generally starts around the 15th of the month. So if if hunters really want to be out here during the rut, that's the time to plan your Plan your hunt a little bit before and a little bit after that. Uh, those deer are moving around a little bit more. I have not seen a lot of rutting activity yet. Um, so, but I think give them five days or so and they'll things will kick in a little bit um, and they'll be moving a little bit more.
0: Yeah, you know, down uh, down in just south of the Pier on the grasslands and and south of even from there, you know. You see some deer and, and then all of a sudden there's combines and, and you get, see some deer kind of scrambling. But just in the last couple of days, I saw, you know, these little buck groups that kind of hang around in some of the places I'm at. And all of a sudden they're broke up and, and these deer, these bucks are with those and starting to chase a little bit. But it it, it is funny how it just seems to like flick a switch and, and all of a sudden stuff starts getting scrambled. So
1: yeah the deer are acting normal in the black hills uh you know the younger bucks seem to start a little early, don't sure. quite know what's going on, and the older bucks hang out and just they they know what to wait for so um we're seeing those activities starting to ramp up a little bit um a little more sparring uh stuff like that going on, so it seems to be a normal year out here in the hills.
0: It's kind of like the freshman kids going early to the dance right and then the older kids show up a little later when the fun starts
1: so absolutely yep
0: you know going into this and i think we've had these conversations with with the drought that we've had and and you know i think early on my brain was had turned to ehd probably even in june worried about that a little bit um what are you seeing in the Black Hills? What, you, what did you see in east or in western South Dakota? And, and just talk about EHD in that a little bit.
1: So, the Black Hills and EHD generally don't go together, um, in my professional opinion, because thirty years being out here in the Black Hills, I very rarely get any reports of EHD in the Black Hills, and that's for two reasons, um, Chris. Number one is it's higher elevation generally and so it's a little cooler at night. Mm-hmm. And as well know, the vector that spreads the virus for EHD or hemorrhagic disease, um, is biting flies, midges, noceums, etc. Well, they just don't do as well up in that colder nighttime temperatures.
0: Sure. And the
1: other factor also is it's in the black hills, you have more running water, more streams. Um, you don't get those mud flats like you do out in the stock ponds and stuff on the prairie. So that, that reduces the vector in the Black Hills, thus reduces the chance of having large outbreaks of EHD. Now you can get creep into the edge of the Black Hills. Down by Hermosa we had a little bit this year. Um, and, and it can hit the Black Hills in certain areas, but this year it's a non-issue in the Black Hills. Um, EHD, hunters coming out to the Black Hills did not even worry about, uh, about hemorrhagic disease in the Black Hills. Um, On the prairie, a little different story in different areas. Um, It started early this year, hemorrhagic disease up in the northwest, Harding, Perkins, um, some of those areas up there, we started losing our radio collar deer, which showed us what was going on. Um, And so Meade County started popping in a little bit, a little bit of Butte County, excuse me. Um, So West River the Northwest got hit harder than anywhere else. And then Bennett County got hit a little bit down there. Um, central part of the state along the river, we had some some up in Campbell County, uh, Potter County, and then Hughes sparked on a little bit later here. Just recently, that kind of sparked up uh, a little bit. And then down in the north or southeast, uh, Bonholm, Yankton, si- Sioux Falls area, um, it kicked up here in the last month too. The good thing is about it is, is that we've had cold weather across the state. Um, That basically knocks those midges and the bugs down. And uh, not to say we're not going to lose a few deer again, but Mm -hmm. we're not going to lose the numbers we've been losing. Right. Um, So we had some areas that were hit pretty hard, other areas non-existent. So um, what I would recommend is that if you're hunting out anywhere in in South Dakota anywhere, go to the go to our website, just search for EHD, and you can look at a current map. And if you think you've got EHD in your area, contact your landowner or whoever you're hunting on and ask them if they have deer to hunt. Let they are the ones that right. are gonna be able to tell you. Um I'm probably taking a bunch of your questions right away by just talking. That's
0: perfect. No, keep going, bud. <laughs>
1: So, and, and just remember too is that if you are going to turn in a tag because of EHD in your area, especially West River, that has to be postmarked before or on Friday at least this week because that season does open on Saturday. Yep. Um, yep. So keep that in mind for the hunters.
0: You know, we talk about in generalities like Yankton County keeps getting hit and that, that, that corner of the state keeps getting hit. But, you know, we'll say, you know, Turner or Hutchinson County or whatever, and, and we'll be at a state fair. And one guy will say, geez, you guys took away all our deer tags. I got 100 deer on my ground. And then his neighbor, five yard, you know, five miles down the road will say, man, you you know, there's no deer. You guys shouldn't have any tags. I mean, talk about the locality of that and how generalized it can be.
1: Yeah, so just just so folks know that the map that's on our website is an interactive map. And you can actually go in and click different years to show where EHD is. And I just clicked through all the way back to 2015. And that area down there in the Yankton country, down in the Southeast Sioux Falls, has not had hardly any EHD at all. Um, 2014, nothing. Uh, 2012 is the year that we really got hit down in that Southeast. So just think about that. 2012 was the last year that that area got hit. And, And, what generally happens with, with an EHD outbreak is is that when we get those prime conditions, the drought, the mud flats where those bugs um hatch out in and, and it can hit at any time of the year. But in we'll use the southeast as an example. Those deer down there that survived the two thousand twelve um die off, I guess if you want to put it that way. The ones that survived were immune to it. You know, they had the antibodies created, so they were immune to it. Um, we have to go through a whole cycle of deer before we come back and they're vulnerable again. Hmm. And until those conditions are correct, that's when that we're going to get hit. Um, we did have some up, a couple of positives in Harding County last year, but not a lot of mortality. And then this year, so the virus was there. Sure. This year the conditions were right. The bugs hatched, they bit the deer, and thus we had a larger die-off. So generally, in general, you can say every five years or so in an area, once you get through that population of deer to new deer, Mm -hmm. um, you potentially can go five years in between die-offs. Not always, but in general, that's kind of the system that we've got going on. Um, So yeah, and you had mentioned earlier about one guy not having any deer, and then two miles away, the neighbor comes in and says, I've got too many deer. Um, That's how EHD can work. It depends on where the bugs are. This is a, the bugs are the vector. Deer cannot spread it to another deer. It has to go through a biting fly or midge. So keep that in mind, I guess. Um, And that's what makes it hard for us to pull back tags. Um, Sure. We want to pull those tags back to to preserve our deer herds, but we can also have issues with some folks not having deer and other folks having deer. Right, so, makes it difficult sometimes.
0: Yeah, well, let's let's switch gears. Uh, you and I have talked, I, I think, even on the podcast about CWD, chronic wasting disease, and and there's still some confusion, and I think there always will be between you know EHD and CWD, but. Uh, just talk a little bit about what the department is doing this year as far as CWD and, and monitoring and doing some of that stuff.
1: Absolutely. And and you are correct. Um, we were putting out press releases for EHD this year to let folks know what was going on. And then stuff were coming out for CWD and I had hunters and, and sports calling and they were talking about CWD when they meant EHD. So right. just folks just need to slow down a little bit, pay a little more attention to what they're seeing. Um, two different diseases. Um, EHD is more of a fast moving a virus that can hit your deer herd really hard. CWD is caused by a prion. It's more of a slow moving. You don't find a bunch of dead deer. The deer are in poor condition if you do find them dead. Um, and so we are still monitoring for chronic wasting disease in South Dakota. Um, What we've been doing is moving across the state. uh, Determining where this disease is going, and the way we do that is we map our positives. We put a 25 mile buffer around those, and if those that buffer falls into a county next to where we found the disease, we will test that county. Um, Usually, you know, that following fall during our hunting season and that's what we ask hunters for is samples from those areas and I'm getting a little confusion also folks are getting these letters now and they're saying well I didn't know CWD was here well most of these is up there we are just doing surveillance for the disease we are looking for it to determine if it has made it into that county um, I just talked to a gentleman in Jones County thought his letter said that they have it nope Jones County has not been found. CDBD has not been found. We're doing surveillance. So we have approximately 12 or 13 counties now. Most of those are along the river, on both sides of the river, Um, and then down in down in Union County and Clark County. A couple of outliers that we're actually doing surveillance. We have not found the disease in those areas. We are sending letters to those hunters asking for samples so we can determine if the disease is there. Um, I would again recommend that folks go to our website. Just search CWD and there is a plethora of information on that website to where your drop off stations are, to how to submit a sample on your own if you're in an area where we're not actively collecting. Um, and and again if you have questions please contact your local CO or uh myself, I'm sure my number is in there in many areas that folks yeah, really is. <laughs> need. um and I'll be glad to answer questions for folks
0: that's that's good stuff i mean it's i I know you've done a ton of work on it and and you know there's always that concern and and people will say, Well, I haven't heard much about it. I heard something earlier and and one of my friends you know down in Jones County. I haven't heard much about it. Well, you must have got a letter from us. You know, got to check that mail every once in a while and and, uh, and make sure that you're keeping up to it. And, you know, and we're, we're just asking, it's not a mandatory thing, right? We're just asking folks that if, if they're concerned about it and, and it sure would help us if they turn that in or turn the head in or take their own sample.
1: Absolutely. It's voluntary. Um, right. But again, we the more samples we can get, the better it, it tells us whether the disease is there. If we get five samples from Jones County, It it tells us nothing. If we get 150 from Jones County, that tells us a whole lot more on whether the the disease is there. Um, So we're just asking hunters for samples. Every doe you shoot, drop it off in a barrel, fill out the form, tag them, and that's going to help us out tremendously um, to determine whether that disease is there. Um, Last year we just found it east of the river in Sully County. Um, So we know this disease is moving slowly, um to the east and uh we're just trying to follow it and see where to look next
0: right and uh um you know the other thing we're, we're still trying to push and make sure people know that you know the days of taking a shooting a deer anywhere bringing it home um, processing it yourself and then taking that carcass and chucking it in your tree belt i mean those days are gone
1: Yep, absolutely. The new regulations that we, that the Commission put into place here last year. uh, Basically, if you take a deer out of the County of Harvest, those carcass parts have to go into a landfill. Um, If you take it to a processor from out of the County of Harvest, the processor has to throw those bones, carcass parts in a landfill. And if you take it to a taxidermist to get it mounted, then the taxidermist has to throw away the parts that he doesn't use for the mounting. Uh, one of the questions that we're getting also is, some of our state residents and our non-residents coming into South Dakota, uh, one of the things that they're asking is, what are the regulations? What do they have to do? Any county that they come into in South Dakota, they can take that deer out of that county they need to find out what their regulations are for their state to right. move that deer back into their state. Um, the same thing if a resident is going to Colorado or Wyoming hunting. If you bring that animal from out of state, it has to go in a landfill. Um, minus the meat, of course. So the bones and pieces and parts have to go into a landfill. Right. And that's all that is, is to stop the artificial human spread of the disease.
0: Right, and and I think that that's boiling it down, you know. And that's a tough behavior to even even try to start to change, much less let people, you know, become aware of it. You know, that that's just something that my friends and and my deer hunting friends and everything we've always done. You know, you live out in the country. When you're done processing a deer, you drag it out to the cooley and you leave it for the coyotes. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's that's the way that humans can spread that disease, and and we're trying to get that get that stop
1: absolutely and that's 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 the reasons for those regulations
0: yeah that's uh, yeah it's fairly interesting and it's just something that that you know when we boil all those regulations down that's really what it is and and you know the the other thing is last year we started pushing you know and talking about people you know you know boning that deer out if you have time or that antelope or that elk or whatever and leaving it in the field and and it didn't take too long for, for landowners and stuff, especially in some of those walk-ins, uh, you know, um, up in the, those big chunky walk-ins up in the Northwest to go, hey, can you just remind people, like, when they're done to take the carcass and kind of drag it off to a spot where nobody can see it? Because what was happening was people were dragging them close to the road and boning them out and then leaving these carcass piles, you know, uh, and the school bus comes driving by and there's 15 dead deer or <laughs> deer carcasses laying there. So... That was yeah. kind of a curveball that I wasn't really ready for either.
1: Yeah, and th- you know those are the things that we can't think about. We got to ask our hunters to be a little, you know, cognizant of what they're doing. Uh, some of these walking area parking lots are where there's a big hay shed or a hay thing. Right. When they come, the rancher comes back in there to get his hay, and he's got to drive over four carcasses to get through his gate to get hay. That's not a good look. Where if the hunter would just leave that out in the field or Drag it 200 yards out into the walk-in area and throw it in a little coulee or something like that. You're leaving that disease there if it is there. And, and you're also keeping that landowner happy. Um, that landowner that's allowing you to hunt on his property as a walk-in area. Yeah. So. Cool.
0: Well, what else, what else is going on? What did I miss? I,
1: you know, we, we could, if we've made a list of the questions that we get, we could talk all day. Yes, um, I, I, I would, uh, you know, just tell people to go tell hunters and sports and whoever's interested in EHD or CWD or anything like that. We have lots of information on our website. You can search for it. Um, if you can't find something on there, please call your local game and fish office. We will get you the answer one way or another. Um, if if you're looking to get samples for your animals sampled this fall, um, there are ways to do that. Go to the website. that will show you where you can drop heads off um, and we'll gladly help you. Cool.
0: Well, buddy, have a good hunting season. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. As always, you're always a font of, veritable font of information. Um, and I appreciate it.
1: Hey, no problem. Anytime, Chris. And uh, the... Big thing is getting information out to our, our, uh, our bosses out there. Well, everybody else there is our boss, so right. Um, we're, we aim to please them. And uh, as long as we can get information out to them, that's what we're trying to do.
0: Awesome. Well, Griff, I thank you very much. I appreciate it and uh, we'll be in touch soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Yep, you too, buddy. That's a wrap, folks. Uh, Get outside and enjoy the uh, fruits of Mother Nature's bounties and the landowner's bounties and the public landowner's bounties. Uh, Get outside and have some fun. Uh, we got a few good weeks ahead of us, and and, uh, now's the time to be a hunter or a fisherman or a hiker or whatever you like to do. Now's the time. So get outside and enjoy yourselves. Until next time, Chris Hall, South Dakota Game, Fish, and Parks, uh, communication specialist, saying, see you later. It's back to my place,